Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 101 of Bleeding Blue. And today we are not re-watching a Giants game, but we are talking about some backdoor behind-the-scenes stories from Ernie Palladino's book, If These Walls Could Talk, published in 2013. Snacks and I are going to talk about those stories. Snacks will probably get really upset like three times throughout the episode, and we'll have a good time. So without further ado, let's bleed. Blue, 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 blue. to start out before Snacks and I get not so serious about things and laugh and talk some giant stories, etc., I want to start off the show with saying how we recognize we're in an extremely difficult time and acknowledging what is happening in our world that's absolutely imperative to do. I don't want to simply have a show that is tone deaf and just continues to release podcasts without recognizing what is happening. Snacks, David, and myself are absolutely standing in solidarity with efforts of justice and equity taking place around the country. I know I am very happy with that legitimate conversations are happening that gets at the core of the injustices our country is facing snacks, David and myself again, you know, we made a commitment to release an episode once a week and start this show up again, start bleeding blue up again. And we are going to do that. We want to provide a distraction for all of you to get back in the giants football, but we also understand that there are some of you that cannot be distracted or just log off of social media to get away from all of this. I can speak for myself because of my identity as a white male, I can hop on a call with snacks and escape the world for a bit. Not everybody has that advantage. I appreciate you being here with us. I appreciate you listening. I challenge you to get informed. If you are not, find the works of scholars in the field of sociology, criminal justice, and analyze the roots of racial inequality in this country. Feel free to DM myself as a criminal justice major. I've spent almost six years reading and studying about all of this, but it's also time for people like myself to listen. So with that in mind, Snacks, let's get into this episode. Let's have a good time. Let's stick to our mission, which is, hey, new mission, Giants history. We're telling Giants stories. Uh, We're doing a little bit of a different episode today where we Mm -hmm. actually are looking at some past Giants stories. We're not just rewatching a game. Snacks, how are you doing? I am doing great, and um, I'm not going to lie. I have told you for however many years I've known you, what, a decade or more like maybe a year and a half. But those words moved me. They really did. And what you just said, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go in like this. Uh, By the way, I am doing good. Um, But it's just so true. We all are aware of what's going on. Everybody is in a very difficult place right now. And like you said, hopefully us Giants fans, we could just maybe take some of that, you know, that clouded stuff going on in your head away for for a little bit, for an hour to talk Giants history because – we, we are all there with you. We stand with everybody. There needs to be a solution soon. 
So with that being said, Justin, I'm doing great. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope all you guys had a good weekend, everybody listening. So let's do it. I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead drum. You absolutely couldn't have said any of that better if you tried. So that's, if you've ever done something good in your life, it was that. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Snacks. So, so the whole premise of what we're doing here now if you are a very, very long time Bleeding Blue listener, you will remember I did an episode when this podcast was still a Yankees and a Giants podcast. And the episode that I did was, it was during the downtime, I think it was right before spring training started, and I had Renato and Brett on with me, and I was talking about the story of, like, the Yankees lost in the World Series to the Dodgers. And Steinbrenner, the next year in that offseason, decided to turn the Bronx Bombers into the Bronx Burners. And he's like, fuck all these strikeouts, just like Yankees Twitter is like right now, just like all these, you know, old school, uh, old school baseball fans that hate all these strikeouts and hate everybody <sighs> hitting home runs and they want to see more Thanks singles. Snacks, I know you're one of them. Snacks, I, I know I, you're I, one of them, by the way. I am. I am. I'm an old soul. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I am. I, what do you want me to tell you? George Steinbrenner, I believe, took a team that maybe had like Reggie Jackson on it. He took a team with the guys that hit a lot of home runs on it, and he turned it into just guys that slap singles, and they were fast, and they can steal bases. And that was it. That was it. That's what yeah. they did. Uh, and that was also like the same year that a strike happened. Uh, a lot of crazy things happened. And the reason why I had that episode is because, number one, you know, Yankees fans and baseball fans, they were talking about, you know, home runs and strikeouts versus hitting singles. And this is before the offseason of DJ LeMahieu. So I feel like DJ LeMahieu has kind of fixed everything for the Yankees in terms of Yankee fans can finally stop talking about needing guys that can hit for a high batting average. Same thing with Gio Urshela. Those guys mm. kind of came in. They provided a high batting average and they provided something different. So I guess, you know what? Good. Maybe those fans were a little bit right. But that at that at the time that episode was very prevalent and that story was very prevalent and even it's prevalent right now because of the strike and hey you know if baseball doesn't come back baseball is going to be going into a strike because their new CBA agreements are going to be up and blah 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 but that's that's what we did back then I kind of we kind of did like a Yankees history podcast and we brought it into today we reacted to it today with like today's lenses and today's uh, perspective. And that's what we're going to be doing today, except we're going to be doing that for the Giants. So I'm actually more excited for this, and I get more excited for these episodes as opposed to the rewatchables, because I feel like this is more of a conversation. Um, I'm going to be, well, obviously, I'm going to be like sharing the stories, and then Snacks, we're going to be reacting to it. We'll talk about it together. So Snacks, I want to ask you this to kind of preface, because the first story that we're going to be talking about, um, and it's from Ernie Palladino. I have to give another shout out to the book. Early pa Ernie Palladino, who I mm -hmm. tried to find him on Twitter to maybe even see like, hey, can I ask this guy to like come on the show? He hasn't had a, an active Twitter since like 2016, 2017. So that's unfortunate. Um, but maybe yeah. maybe he'll come, maybe he has like a Facebook. If he's an old guy, he's he's definitely got a Facebook. That's really well, old. I'm people. not having MySpace too. My, geez, MySpace. Um, so the book is called <laughs> If These Walls Could Talk. Um, do you like do you like my my New York accent? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. People tell me I have a New York accent. It makes me so angry. You have no idea. If these if these walls could talk. Oh God. Do you know you do you know why that upsets me though? Why? Because I'm from fucking North Jersey. Well, I'm also from North Jersey. Who but okay, but you don't have an accent. You actually speak really nice and like I wish I could There talk There are like people that. that tell me that like and I think I don't know if people have told me this when I was on Talking Giants or whether I was on Bleeding Blue. People people told me you have a, such a deep Philly accent. Die. 
Now I lived I lived in Philadelphia. Yeah, I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this, Justin. If that's if that's what I'm gonna hear, I'm gonna leave. You embrace a Philly accent. I know. I I could not hear it. <laughs> I hear more. I definitely hear more North Jersey, not Brooklyn, but I definitely hear more North Jersey in me than Philly. See, but also the lines can kind of blur sometimes. Yes, I, that that's true because Philly's right there. And here I have one quick question before you, and then we'll, we'll go right back into it. See, I get the whole. I, I've traveled for work the last two years, numerous places, and all I get is New York accent. Now, when you listen to me, do you hear an accent or do you hear nothing? Because with you, I don't hear anything. Maybe it's a Jersey thing. I don't know. But when do you, you hear... get fired up. Wait, hold on. Hold on. When you get fired up. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my motherfucking uncle, okay? If my aunt wow. had balls. I, like... I, set, I set you up for that, huh? You, you, it, was, it was an alley-oop. I that, mean, was it was... A, that was probably the greatest alley-oop of all time. It was it was D Wade to LeBron in 2010, baby. Um, but no, when you get uh, going no. and when you get fired up, that's oh, I'm sorry, LeBron. You don't like LeBron. I'm no, sorry. I hate LeBron. I think he, I think he's most overrated. Besides Peyton Manning, he's the most overrated player in professional sports history. But okay, I get it. I get it. Um, I just I, I wanted to know. I really did, just out of general curiosity. So go ahead, continue. All right, now that we now that we fucked around for long enough. <laughs> If these walls could talk, th- this oh this God. book is based on. It was written in 2013, and it's based on the last 20 years of the New York Football Giants and their franchise. Which actually, in the and you know between 1993 and 2013, very successful football team, uh, nine playoff appearances, three Super Bowl appearances, and two Super Bowl wins. But the story that we're going to be starting out with first is from the 2000 season. So, snacks, I want you to briefly and quickly. Give me your thoughts. Give me your memories from the 2000 season, because frankly, both of us are kind of young. You're you're getting you're getting up there in age. I mean, you're almost dirt dirt old at 30 years old. But I'm I'm especially young. I was two years old for the 2000 season. So we're having a Giants history podcast, and we're both, we're both relatively young. So we're 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 taking a big leap here. But tell me what you remember from the 2000 season. I could tell you a lot, Justin, and it's funny. Yes, I am. I am approaching dirt status. I am 27 years old, and if I could cut off my pinkies and my all my toes, literally, I would go back to being about 15 years old. But I can't do that. So, the 2000 New York Giants season was the first season that I truly was invested in. And as you know, you're a diehard Giants fan. You talk about it all the time. I uh, I'm a diehard Giants fan too. But sometimes people may think I take it to a sadistic level, and it's probably true. That 2000 season is my bread and butter. That is where I fell more in love with the New York Giants than any woman that will ever come across in my life. Any breath I take in life, anything. I, Justin, it's Giants breathing family and friends. That's that in that order. So the 2000 season was, fun fact, the first year. Um, do you remember the old logo on the Giants helmet? It was Giants across the helmet. Yes, sir. Yes. So that was the first year they went to the MY. Well, not the first year. They went back to the MY. And I think you have it written in here, and maybe I'll say it and steal your thunder, but they were projected, what, five and a half, six wins? Yeah. Uh, five and a half mm-hmm. to ten and a half wins is what Pro Football Reference had them. But the over-under okay. for Vegas, I believe, was seven and a half. Okay. So that, that makes it even better. They were 12 and four. They were 12 and four, and they bullied. They bullied teams. Absolutely bullied teams. And, you know, Kerry Collins is actually, he's like a myth to me. I guess it's before all 
we got into all the, the Patrick Mahomes types, the Russell Wilsons that are going to run around and create time, 30 seconds in the pocket or 30 seconds outside and just throw the ball deep to somebody fast like Tyler Lockett or Tyreek Hill. Kerry Collins stood back there and just fired missiles. He's almost, in a way, kind of like Eli Manning. He would just fire missiles into these players' chests. He had probably the best arm strength of any quarterback in the league at that time. And they went 12-4. and four. Their offense was great. Their defense was, was, was even he up, Was he up there with Favre in that regard? Uh, I, to me, yeah. He, well, maybe not Favre. Nobody was up there with Favre. That arm strength is ridiculous. But Kerry Collins had an arm. He was a drunk, but he had an arm. And he led the team to, to I'm sorry. I'm hey, going to call hey. like it. I'm, I'm going to call it, it like it, uh, I see it. I'm sorry. It I know. gave him an edge. Hey, maybe it did. Maybe, I don't care. They went 12 <laughs> and 4. They went to the Super Bowl that year. Do you, do you remember the, the oh, like you said, you don't remember the divisional round against the Eagles, the 20 to 10 game? Jason Seahorn with a tipped interception, tipped it up 1,500 times on the ground. That day, I knew, I knew I was screwed because I, would, I was going to love this team more than I love myself, which is a bad thing. But the 2,000 Giants in total, they had a very balanced offense. They had a good running game with, with, with a scumbag running back and very good complimentary raw receivers and a good tight end. Greg Camella, Howard Cross, they had all these guys, and they had a stud defense. They had Keith Hamilton, Michael Strahan, man on the line, and they had probably the most underrated Giant of all time in Jesse Armstead manning the middle of the middle of the defense. So um, that 2,000 Giants was – that was an anomaly. That – that team should have never happened. It should have never been twelve and four, but here we are. All right, so they should have never been twelve and four. Let's never. kind of let's kind of go back to that moment where it was a really big turning point. So the Giants lost against Detroit. They lost against Detroit. They fell to seven and four. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up to where I'm gonna pick up to where Paladino Paladino writes here. Trains horse races and poker games. Jim Fossil remembers it as the day I lost my mind. His team had just taken a bad 31-21 loss in Detroit to send the 2000 season into a tenuous 7-4 situation. Sensing a sag in his team's confidence and the need to take some media heat off of his players, Fossil decided to take the psychological offensive that Tuesday night. He talked over his plan with this team's savvy publicity director, Pat Hanlon, who is still around today. <laughs> unbelievable. He's unbelievable. So with Hanlon's blessing, let the good times roll, he said, He told Fossil. The coach went to bed. What happened the next day amounted to Fossil's Douglas MacArthur's I shall return moment. With all the fury and passion of a modern-day patriot, Fossil riffled and ranted his way through a 25-minute playoff guarantee, the greatest ever issued in the bowels of Giants Stadium. Quote, if you have the crosshairs or the lasers, you can put them directly on my chest, end quote. Fossil said as his widened eyes panned over the cameras and notebooks in the Wednesday media room, quote, I'll take full responsibility. This is a poker game. I'm shoving my chips to the middle of the table. I'm raising the stakes here. And anybody who wants in, get in. Anybody who wants out, get out. I'm loving every bit of this. This team is going to the playoffs. <sighs> That just sent a chill down my spine. I mean, are you kidding me? When you have a coach that gets to the podium like that with the utmost confidence that he had, how do you not, as a fan, run through a brick wall for that guy? As a player, I can't imagine. And you know what? He backed it up. Here, but here, here's my thing. Tell me. Here's tell my me thing, thing, Snacks. Tell me your thing. Tell me your thing. The team was 7-4. and four. Oh, well, 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 let's look back. Maybe... 
Philly was good that year. We played Philly in the divisional round. Okay. There was the there two was... weeks before, so they were on a two game losing streak. They lost to the Rams, which Rams, you know, we talked about what's his face? Um Mike Martz last week, which you yes, know, we knew we Martz was yes, still a part yes. of those teams. It was Warner, it was the greatest show on turf. So they lost to the Rams and then they lost to the Lions. And the Lions were a nine and seven team that year. So they lost to like two pretty good football teams. All right. And you're still seven and four. Okay, well here can I can I speak on something? That I yes, this is, this is like an outsider's perspective of like, okay, bud, that's not a hot take. No, no, no. I, I, and I know what you're saying, like looking at the record and final. But Jim Fossil's teams, the Giants teams he coached were like known for just playing down to their opponent. Um, it just seems to be like a giant trend. But through his years before 2000, from 97 on, before 2000, like I said, they always played down to their opponent. So when you're playing a team like the Cardinals and the Redskins and, and the Steelers, all these, all, these, all these teams that maybe are not that good that year, maybe he was getting that in his head. Like, this is a different year. We're not playing down to our opponent. We're going to go out there and we're going to smash these teams and we're going to go to the playoffs. And he's giving his team the motive and the edge because that, that team was together. You know what I mean? They didn't have any, like, big free agents in there. That team was built through a few years. They had Strahan, Seahorn. Hilliard, Toomer, Collins, they had their quarterback, they had the, the scumbag running back. They had all these guys. So that was that was it. They had Ron Dane. This was Ron the, Ron Dane. The great Ron, thunder, Ron Dane's rookie of course, year. Of course. Listen, if I could eat like Ron Dane, oh God. Anyway, but <laughs> Jim Fossil, Jim Fossil's teams were always synopsis with playing down to their opponent. So I think maybe that's where he got it from. Like this is it's not happening this year. We're going to the playoffs and we're making a run. You know what I mean? You know, the crazy thing looking back on this year is that they had two losing streaks of two games each, and that's it. That that's was it. it. Yep. So they yep. they went 3-0, and then they lost two games in a row, four and then row. they went on went on a stretch of, of another four, and then they lost the 2-0, and oh, and, then, and then they lost the, you know, the two, like I said, to the Rams and to the Lions, and then the proclamation was made. I just think it would have been more of an awesome proclamation if you made it after 3-2. and two. But – would it have had the same like oomph and would it have like lasted longer throughout that entire season? Probably not. Right. And the fact that he did it when they're seven and four and you're right, they're probably going to the playoffs as Walker or whatnot, but Justin, they ripped off five in a row after that, two of which were complete blowouts. And then they, they, they had two divisional wins that were tight and divisional games are always tight. No matter who's on the team. Maybe that that was the motivation they needed, and clearly yeah. it worked. So stop talking shit about Jim Fossil. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk a little bit more. I'm gonna talk not not <laughs> fully, uh, but I, it's it, it's like a question. So he during this 25 minute whole speech that he did, he talked a lot about I'm going to be on top of everything and everybody. Now I think it's okay to be like, oh, I'm going to be on top of the players. But he was even saying, like, I'm going to be on top of the coaches as well, which if you're asking me, like, that's you're getting a little territorial. I can imagine coaches are like if you have a head coach that's talking about another coach like on the staff, it's like, oh, yeeks. Like, um, I'm I'm currently pulling at the neck of my shirt right now to get some air that's going through my chest because it's like, <laughs> yikes, what are you doing, bud? So that was part of that 25 minute proclamation. Now, something that's significant to note about this 2000 team. And it's a trend for this Giants team, just this Giants as a franchise, 
Can you tell me the offensive defense coordinator of that 2000 team snacks? Yes, I can. Sean Payton and John Fox. Which isn't that crazy? It's isn't unbelievable. That crazy that this Two- franchise has had Vince Lombardi as an, as an offensive coordinator, Tom Landry as a defense co- coordinator, Bill Belichick as a defensive coordinator, Sean Payton as an offensive coordinator, John Fox as a defense coordinator, which John Fox is a pretty damn good head coach. He's he was a very good. successful head coach. Yep. He brought yeah. he brought the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Yep. hundred percent. Same thing with the Broncos too. Yep. Yep. And even uh, yep, even with right. the Bears. Even with the Bears, yeah. I thought he, he did was, some good He was stuff. successful with the Bears. Yep. So none of those guys ever wound up to be Giants head coaches. None of them. And the one that you forgot was Bill B, but we don't talk about that because we're not talking. I did about talk. Him. Did I did I not say Bill Belichick? Ah, uh, you you, you might have. I was I was like thinking it in my head, forget? and I might have zoned you out for a second, just knowing that's that right. he should have been our head coach. But that's okay. That's right. So. I don't know. Just that whole point of while he was guaranteeing the playoffs, he was like, I'm going to be in everyone's faces and I'm going to be overseeing and on top of every single thing that goes on in this organization, including these coaches. I don't know. I am shocked that that attitude and that approach didn't almost derail the team. Yeah. Well, I I feel like, like back then it's a little different than now. If he's going up and being that aggressive like today, maybe these players, as soft as they are, don't respond to it. But these guys did. And, you know, the rest is history. If Ray Lewis, which he should have been tried for murder and, and locked up, we win that Super Bowl. Wow. So it, I'm wow. sorry. I, I know. I Listen, I, I told you I'm going on filter tonight. And Hey, root, root for DeAndre Baker. Root for DeAndre Baker. Root for the guys in blue. He's not guilty. He's going to be found innocent. I'm not talking about that. You know I'm not talking about that. You know this I'm not talking about that. This is Giants history podcast. Yes, you're right. And also, just a little quick tidbit before I uh, sidetrack. You know how Sean Payton has like the biggest play sheet ever? It's like the size of of like me. Is like, it bigger than McAdoo's? Oh, no, it's much bigger. It's like a big like cardboard thing. That was different. Those were like pieces of paper with like a, like a, like a, a ring fold in it and whatnot. Jim Fossil had like the biggest biggest play sheet ever and I always have said my when I watch Saints games and I see Sean Payton calling his plays from that big diner menu like you just said which disagree McAdoo's was not a diner play sheet anyway it just cracks me up because Sean Payton was on our staff it's right there it's right there anyway so kind of like continuing my my suspect and my questioning of Jim Fossil and like slightly making you mad and slightly making you upset. So Ernie Acorsi was talking about and reflecting in this book about losing the Super Bowl in 2000. And so this is so again, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going back to Paladino here. Mm-hmm. Acorsi had said before the game that losing a Super Bowl is the worst thing in sports because only the winner is remembered. He is living proof. That game still irritates me, of course, he said. I never felt we had the intensity for that Super Bowl game. I always thought we were too happy after the 41 to nothing Vikings win in the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. I know the players played hard, but I never felt good about our preparation. It was too lighthearted for me. That's a shot at coaching. Shot at coaching, and it continues it on here. Of course, he let it, also let it be known the following training camp that he was none too happy with Fossil's decision to rent out a movie theater and conduct a ring ceremony for winning the conference title. The the object, of course, he maintained is to win the Super Bowl. Anything short of that is failure. Quote, when you're involved in this game, there's one thing that becomes clear. You play for the ultimate goal, he said, and the ultimate goal is not the NFC Championship game. Snacks, 
this story bewilders me. I don't know how how like known it is, but the fact that he rented out a movie theater to celebrate and give out rings for an NFC championship game. It's like now, they just won the Super Bowl. I know. We're we're in the era of, you know, criticizing participation trophies, and I feel yep. like it's we're starting to accept that now. Like we should just Which we you know, shouldn't. But I can only imagine how poorly received this would have been back then. Oh, if there was if social this is media. 20 years later and there's oh a problem. Oh, my God. With yeah, if there was social media, it would have been ripped to shreds. Ripped to shreds. You can't sit there. Listen, I, I told you before we got on this, and I maybe mentioned it in the beginning. Jim Fossil was my first coach. I will always have the utmost respect for him. And the guarantee, the poker thing, I, I loved Jim Fossil. I loved him. But that is a really bad optic. Really, really bad. You don't do participation trophies in the NFL. You don't. And Ernie, of course, he was 100% right. That should leave a sour taste in his mouth because that's not a Super Bowl movie theater parade. That's a, wow, you guys made it. Good job. <laughs> You're done now. Because also, also the thing is, they got the absolute snot kicked out of them in the Super Bowl. Wasn't even like it was, okay, you lost by two touchdowns. Wasn't even no, like you know, it was a competitive game, which I can imagine if it was a competitive game, you don't want to celebrate like losing it. Is it that, and this is what I've gone back and forth on, is it that because they just got the snot kicked out of them from start to finish? It's just, yeah, like we were just kind of happy to get there, which I know for a fact in the NFL, it's not like college, where I can imagine like college, you get to some maybe a bowl game where it's like, oh, fuck, Georgia was a seven-win team this year, and we're fucking Hawaii, and we won, <laughs> we had, we had yeah. a pretty darn good season, so we're going to get the snot kicked out of us, but we're still going to celebrate our good season anyway. So the NFL doesn't work like that, but because they got the snot kicked out of them so bad, is it more acceptable to celebrate it in the way that they did? I say no. Fuck no. No, I think it's worse. I don't think... Oh, that 2000 season just... It's like... To me, it's like just such a roller coaster of an, of an emotion that... You know, that's the first year I, I really cared. And the fact that you bring this story up now and it's the first time I, I hear about it... it kind of makes me sicker like I re- I'll never forget watching that game I was living in my old house and Ron Dixon I believe it was the third quarter and I know how many yards it was 97 yard kick return and they were down already like 17 nothing and they were right back in the game do you know what happened the next fucking play tell me babe Baltimore return a fucking kick return for a touchdown <laughs> like it, there was no hope the, 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 you're 100% right the fact that the that Fossil did that, it, it sucks. It's sickening. I guess I can see where he's coming from in the moment, but just really bad optics. Really, really bad you're optics. You're right. If but you're right, if social media was around, oh my God. Oh my God. Yep. Destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Uh, I, oh I can't God. I can't stop like picturing in my mind what Max fucking Kellerman would say. <laughs> also piece of it's shit. it's two thousand. There wasn't like dine-in theaters yet, so I can imagine the food and movie theaters wasn't like you would think that this is the New York Football Giants. They can't rent out a fucking banquet hall. What movie were they seeing? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. What movies came out in two thousand? <laughs> oh, 
God, if we the ever, replacements if, came out in two thousand. <laughs> oh, but I'm sure if we ever find a way to interview somebody from the from those years, like uh, from those two thousand seasons or something, challenge like accepted. That, I please, please find them. Um, that's challenge actually accepted. a, a low a low key idea that I even just thought of when I was saying that I want to find er, Ernie Palladino. This this bleeding blue as a idea. podcast, we could we could still be like an interview show. It doesn't just have to be us. Like, no, I agree, some, and I think you know what? people people would love to come on and talk about like Giants. I'm gonna stuff. I'm I'm gonna go after Ron Dixon. That's who I'm oh. gonna go after. Because I don't know if you really like like you said you don't really remember this stuff, but Ron Dixon was unbelievable. We when was the last time you you felt to yourself as Giant fan? Wow, we have this kick returner that might be able to get us the ball to the 35 or something like that, or the 30, or a punt return where it's not gonna get muffed. You said Dominic Hickson, but I feel besides that Week 17 game against the Patriots, I don't no, really that feel was like really anything it. great. That was, that was but David really Wilson, it. David Wilson, that's uh, David Wilson was actually yeah, pretty but good. That was that was half a year, Justin. It was half a year. Ron Dixon was was steady. He was he he was consistent. You knew he wasn't going to bobble the ball. Well, you know, I mean, he did fumble the ball in the, that Super Bowl, but either way, he was consistent and he was he was great. I remember when the Giants brought in Brian Mitchell, one of the greatest returners of all time. He did nothing. He was past his prime. He was like 35 years old. Ron Dixon was a stud. That 97-yard kick return was the only living breath of air that this team had in the Super Bowl. So my challenge to myself is to get Ron Dixon on this goddamn podcast, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we're going to ask him what the fuck was happening at this ring ceremony. <laughs> that that is seriously going to be my first question i read this in paladino's book and i was like what excuse me it's so crazy all right so let's let's move forward let's take a jump seven years later now snacks snacks you kind of gave me the context surrounding where you were in your life in 2000 yes give me the context of where you were in your life in 2007 particularly around Packers NFC championship game. Where were you doing? What were you doing? How are you feeling? Tell, tell me, babe. Yeah. So I still had red hair. Um, I was, I was healthy as an ox. I was a freshman in high school in the greatest high school of all time. Emerson, New Jersey, Bergen County. Um, but anyway, so me, my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, we were, we're all diehards and we, we all watched the game together in our basement downstairs and not normal. That's not the normal place where we would watch TV, but for some reason we had scored our touchdown there when we were watching it down there. So we, we were like, fuck it, let's stay there. And that night we, we were all, we were all dressed in like black and um, you know, buttoned down black and, and black khakis and all this stuff. Cause we had, we had a wake to go to that night. For uh, for a week, for, for a week, a yes, yes. But we oh, we refused geesh. to leave until the game was over. That game was played at I think six o'clock. I, I know we were all dressed in black. We 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 had everything ready to go. We were as soon as the game was, we were not leaving till the game was over. That is like, you know, we could pay our respects at the mass the next day. We were not leaving that TV until the game was over. And we're all sitting there, just us four, and it's like the most nerve wracking thing ever because that's like. That was, you know, I was I was eight years old in two thousand when the Super Bowl was happening, and you know I, I I understood it and I knew it, but it wasn't the same. In two thousand, I'm a fifteen year old kid, 
And I'm I'm just I love this team so much. And I and it's like the most unprecedented run. We had just beaten the Cowboys. We're playing Brett Favre. And in a game that is the most ridiculous thing in the world where all you could see is smoke, I guess not smoke, but air being blown out of these guys' mouths because it was so cold. And I remember my dad screaming at the TV in overtime when Lawrence Tynes lined up to kick the field goal. Screaming. (laughs) What the fuck is Coughlin doing? Fire this motherfucker. He can't kick a field goal to save his life. What's he going to do now? He can't make it now. He can't do anything. This guy doesn't have the balls. Excuse my language. So they called the timeout. And Tynes comes up and he kicks it. And I looked at my dad. And he looked at me because, you know, that's that's our bond. That's like the biggest thing, you know, the Giants football. And we're looking at each other and we're like, no fucking way. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. And the hug that we all embraced each other with, I am literally wiping tears off my eyes right now, just remembering that day. And I couldn't thank you more for bringing it up. We we hugged in, in solidarity, just as a group, us four, just jumping up and down that we're going to the Super Bowl. We're crying tears of joy and everything. And then we got in the car and went to the wake. And the best part is, at the wake, it was somebody, you know, whatever the case, I'm sorry, I, I feel really bad that they passed away. But they were sick for a long time. We walked in and we're all smiling. (laughs) We're all laughing. We're all just so happy. And we're greeted by people at this wake that are saying, yo, we did it. (laughs) We're going to the Super Bowl. It was just, it was, it was just such an unreal moment. And I'll never forget where I was, who I was with, and that moment of joy that that I felt. And I, I could go on all day, but I'm going to stop there. It was just, it was such a surreal day that we had to go to a wake for a friend of ours that passed away, a, a family friend that passed away. But that game meant more than anything in the world. <laughs> so it was unbelievable. So Ernie Palladino gives another backdoor story to the Ice Bowl, Ice Bowl 2. Longtime equipment managers Eddie Wagner and brothers Ed and Joe Skiba had used much forethought in furnishing the players with a skin-warming gel mountain climbers used on the frigid heights, foot warmers, and oversized stuffed gloves as well. But even that didn't help a guy like Plaxico Burris. After about three or four routes, 10 minutes time during pregame warmups, Burris bailed out and scurried inside just as he has lost all feelings in his hands. He covered himself in Vaseline and then went one step further, taking the foot warmers in which was supposed to be worn over socks. He taped them directly to the bare bottoms of his feet straight onto the skin. Head, Head trainer Ronnie Barnes warned him that his feet would soon feel like he'd set them on fire. As if Burris cared, that's what I need, he said. Do you know how cold it is out there? Let him burn. I'm not going to freeze. The insides of the helmets were outfitted with sheep fleece. The iconic orange buckets by the bench were filled with chicken broth instead of Gatorade. The heaters were turned up full blast, and Burris and his fellow receivers made ample use of them during the TV timeouts. I can't describe how bad it was, Amani Toomer said, breathing in the air, would burn your lungs. It was just ridiculous. But Eli Manning, of all people, of all people, called it my all-time favorite game. Can you blame him? Can you blame him? How, how, how though? Well, because how? I, I feel like like just the coldness and everything like that. 
you have, you have to dig deeper. I'm not putting myself in these guys' shoes or anything, but like you almost have to. You have to dig deep and and find the will to win there. So why wouldn't that be your favorite game? Dude wore a glove in his left hand. Crazy. He did that to That's it. And long sleeves. Wow. Oh god, what a game. Fucking heroic. I mean, you you want to talk about heroics, right? You also want to talk. I mean, hey, I've always been one to say and I've been there because I've sat through years and years and years ever since I think I've been going to games since 07. And I have always said this. I would rather 100% be playing the game of football in negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit than sitting in 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Good point. Always said that. Good point. So you want to talk about heroics. Good friend of the podcast, good friend of the program, license plate guy. Holy fucking shit. He sat through that entire game. Heroics. That's true heroics sitting How? through that game and not because you're not moving. I don't I know I don't know what Lambo's like. I, I can Frigid. imagine Lambo, you know, they actually have real fans there, so they're actually standing up. So they're actually standing up on like MetLife Stadium where, where now you get yelled at if you're standing up for more than yeah, five don't, fucking don't seconds. Bring that up. Which by the way, I'm one of them because I'm getting older. I'm getting older and I don't like standing up. I'm get I'm I'm getting close to being one of those. Let people. me tell you something right now, Justin. But, on God, on God, if yeah, I ever sit next to you and you don't stand up, I'll kill you. You're going to have to throw me out of you you will literally throw me throw me over section 315 in the and the 300 sections and I will yeah, I'll do it. literally I'll do fall it. onto the football field. Do you, do so, you, do you think you do you do you think I get thrown out of games for for no reason? So so just stop. We'll have to actually have you go on record one day and talk and actually I could break down every single time I got ejected from that stadium. Um, right, yeah, but hundred percent, hundred percent. Hopefully nobody's, hopefully nobody from MetLife is listening to this shit. Um, oh, fuck them. All right, heroics. Fuck them. True, true heroics. Is like sit sitting through that game, uh, playing it. Yeah, sure, whatever. You won the game, but if you were a fan, you're a true fucking hero. You ain't, you ain't wrong. If you did that, you, uh, hey, you know what? It's a great story. Um, I think it was on the uh, America's game for that year when we won the Super Bowl, and Eli was talking about how. He never wanted his wife to be in a press box or anything because it was bad luck. He goes, you know, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Shout out Michael yeah. Scott. And Abby and the kids, his wife and his kids were, they were in the box the whole game. He had no idea. So yeah, what, th- that, what that, always, cra- that all, always cracked me up. Oh, you didn't know that? What, are, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling Eli Manning an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Let, let my wife and kids freeze to death. <laughs> Literally, th- there there were human beings and human men who grew icicles on their fucking beards. Tom Coughlin's face is still putrid red. <laughs> yes, still it, to this his day. Face, his face, you can tell. Like Tom Coughlin probably aged ten years oh, during that one football game. Easily, easily, and that wasn't <laughs> even the most stressful game of his year. It was the two weeks after. He's still red in the face. To me, it's an iconic picture looking at Coughlin's face as red as it was. No, actually, I'm going to I'm going to go against what you just said because I was actually just listening to a center stage interview. I'm going to go I'm, I this entire episode I've been I've been shitting on Jim Fossil. I've been I called Eli Manning an asshole. I'm just really getting under your skin. Are you a giant fan? <laughs> yeah. Um he so he was on <laughs> Tom Coughlin was on center stage with a uh, with uh, Michael K, you know, our, our good, another good friend of the program. No, not really. Um, he was on center stage with Michael K, and 
talked about like getting nervous or not getting sleep the night before, like in big and important games. And Tom Coughlin always talked about, nope, I always got a ton of good sleep. Like before that, especially that Super Bowl 42 in, you know, in 2007, you know, Michael K asked him, how was your night's sleep beforehand? And Coughlin responded with, I slept like a baby because he knew he talked about preparation, 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 which is actually going to be the concluding soundbite is Tom Coughlin mm. talking about preparation, but we're not going to play it now. I teased it. I teased it. So actually snacks. Can I be honest? Please. If I, if I were to pick Tom Coughlin's brain, if I were to step into Tom Coughlin's brain and ask him, what was the most stressful game of that 2007 season? I would say it was that fucking Washington game where they played them at home Oh yeah. Late oh, in the year, it God, snowed like disaster. the day before. It that was the cold I've been to some cold games. I even have gotten the there have been some games like the past couple years where I think the Redskins when we played them and like new it was like New Year's Eve and it was like fucking negative 10 degree wind chill or something something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um a couple years ago might have been from 2017. That game was really cold and I went to it. I actually had to leave early in the fourth quarter cuz I was like I can't do this shit. Um, game was readily in hand. We were going to win. I left because I'm a fake fan. I'm not a giant fan, like you said. <laughs> but if I had to pick Tom Coughlin's brain and say, like, oh, what game were you most stressed about? It would be that Washington game because they sucked. I have never seen a more incompetent Giants team because they were playing like a backup quarterback. It Jason Campbell was like hurt. It was that game was terrible and it was cold as fuck. <laughs> I will say I will say one thing, though. Like going to games and everything, am I like psychotic for loving cold games more than I like like oh warm games? God. I love bundling. Well, define up define g- warm. So, Buffalo last year, the home opener, it was like ninety degrees. I hated every second of it. Every second. All right, well, yes, yeah, sitting it. sitting in the here's like here's the premise you can always add more layers but there comes a point where you can't take now i don't know about you i don't know how crazy you get in your in your seats but there comes a point where you can't take you can't continue to take off but you can always add on more layers yeah you can and that's why i always i have always taken pride in bundling up like to me it's an art it's an art oh yeah oh it really is my white t-shirt first then I do my Giants long sleeve. Then I'll do maybe my turtleneck. Then I'll put my Giants sweatshirt on. And then I'll put my grandpa's starter throwback from 1970 on over that, which we have talked about numerous times. The starter jacket that we have both agreed is as sexy as I am. So yeah, I think I think dressing up for a cold game is an art. And I think that brings out the best fans in the world. Everybody could go to the home opener when it's 80 degrees, Justin. They can go have a good time, whatnot. But in the thick of things in December, when playoffs are on the line and everything's on the line and you have to bundle up and you have to embrace the cold, that's when the real fans come out. No, you're right. You're right. And I fucking hate it. I hate every se- – now, I say, I say I hate it, but you have to know if you're listening to this, going to Giants games – and also going to NASCAR races, but I haven't gone to a NASCAR race in a long time. But just going to sporting events, but particularly to the sports that I like, you know, NASCAR, football, and baseball. But still, there is nothing, nothing like going to a New York football giant game. I hate nothing. it. I absolutely nothing. hate it because it's like it's like a drug. 
It truly it is really like is. a drug, and it's you're addicted high. to it. No, because you're strong, but you hate it though. You hate using your drug because it's like, ah, oh, you know, like, uh, why, why am I using this shit? I hate it. So the Giants, no. it's the same thing. I absolutely hate it, but I love it at the same time. That's my favorite thing in the fucking world. It is by far, without a shadow of a doubt, my favorite thing in the world. Do you think I like waking up after maybe partying on a Saturday night, waking up at six in the morning and getting my crew together and waiting for an hour? on that line in MetLife Stadium to get in at 8 o'clock when the gates open? No, that's not fun. Do you think I like making plans to tailgate with you, and then you just <laughs> don't fucking tailgate with me? Oh, Do you think I like whoa, that? Oh, whoa, whoa, Justin. Do you think I like telling you, hey, come Are you to K-12. fucking kidding me right come now? Come to K-12. It's the, best, it's the best fucking parking lot at MetLife Stadium. It's also the furthest parking lot away from MetLife Stadium. <laughs> yeah, so 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 why why would I do that? How many times I tell you I'm in L10? That's where I park every fucking game, L10. No, no, because you got you to gotta pull out on route. You pull out of K-12 uh, and you're on route no. three. You are literally right, well, see, on route three. All right, so, all right so see, see, that's the difference. You come in that way, I come in the other way. And that's where L is. Oh. We'll take the L because you're wrong. Well, all right. Let me ask you one question before we, we dive a little bit back into it because I, I know no, we're uh... no we're no we're basically done. Okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm gonna call it because I, I good. we we've call done it. enough and I don't have to talk about that running back. Uh, we'll save it. Save it. All right. All right. Good. I'll save it. Save it because a little you, preview. Look, the next the next thing that we're gonna be talking about we have one little bit more tidbit from the chapter that's called Super Memories from Paladino. Uh, his chapter one was called Super Memories, and then chapter two goes into rivalries. And those rivalries, we're going to have a lot of fun with that next episode. We're just talking about. Yeah, that's um, going to be good. Like, that's going to be very stray, good. hand beating the shit out of people. Like, actually, I'm not even talking about. We're talking about actually physically, like on the football field, beat the shit out of people. It's awesome. Um, so that's that's for next episode. But we also have a story about Tom Coughlin and slogans. And like, does does cheesy slogans work? But Tom Coughlin also just wasn't a coach that did. He didn't say cheesy slogans for no fucking reason. He said it and he, had, and he had a purpose. He had a reason behind it. So that's going to be like for next episode. So so go ahead. We'll 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 we'll, we'll chat for a few more minutes. You and me, snacks. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Well, let's shit the shit now. Now I got a question. Last year, home opener. Who'd they play? The Buffalo Bills. Yes, you're right. Who told you? Who begged you to come over here? To parking lot L. Yeah. I did, and I, I went over there. And that was the first time we ever met in person. Which, by the way, I do want to have another. I do want to talk. I've been craving, craving fantasy football. Like, I've, yeah. I've been starting to briefly look into it. I already have my big sleeper who's probably going to do shit this year. But I have been, like, craving fantasy football. So whether you like it or not, because I know you talk fantasy football with Big Dogs Gotta Eat, the best fantasy football providers of content out there. I know you already talk with Thank them you, every fucking week, but we are going to have a fantasy football episode because I'm going to, I'm going to need to talk about it. I have, I'm I'd craving lo- it. I'd love to do that. I think it's a great idea. And I'll tell you right now, if this is a poker game, I'm shoving all my chips into the middle of the table. Hmm. This fantasy team is going to the playoffs. Sorry, I, I had to. I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. I had to. It was. It was a nice way to put a bow on it. Nice way to put a bow on it. Yeah, I tried. I tried. All right. Do we have I anything? You were going to ask me a question. Why did you ask me? 
what was the homo? Oh, because I did, I did go over. I feel like you were about to say something. You were about to make a point about me going over to you. No, were, it, that that was that up. was really my question. I was I was like telling you, you tell, we were talking about K and L, and I was like, well, I was the one that told that begged you to come over here because we had this big tailgate going on and whatnot, and that was the first time we met. I, yeah, you but, were you were wild that day. You were really wild. Well, when I get to that stadium, I'm a different person. No holds bad. Oh my God in heaven, did you just do that? I did a Dave Gettleman impersonation. How was it? It was good, right? Yeah, it was really good, but it just made me almost throw up. All right, so I'm going to let you go throw up, and we're going to end it right there. So uh, thank you for listening. This was I feel like this was a fun conversation. We wanted to touch on a lot more, but I feel like this was this was fun. Now, when we get when we get when we get ranting and raving and going and you know that that's how it is. That's yeah. Revisionist history. That's what we do. So so, but what makes me happy is I took a shit ton of notes. I did a shit ton of prep, and now we have. If I know that this is the pace of where the have how these conversations are going to go, I mean, whew, we can bang these out like crazy, which is really really happy. Makes me happy. It makes me really really excited. Um, if you have been enjoying listening to this. Uh, we got some more five-star ratings on the Apple Podcast last week, the Apple Podcast app last week. We got some more reviews and ratings. No, we didn't get more reviews. We got ratings, which thank you very much for that. But leave some leave some reviews as well. I want to hear what you think about this. Um, I've been trying to do some behind-the-scenes tech things to make it a little bit better, and I've been getting – I don't know. I'm not fully sure about the numbers and how many people are listening, so – the more reviews that I can get and the more feedback that I can get, even if you want to just DM me, DM Snacks, DM David, David will be back. Let us know what you think because I, I, I'm really craving this feedback. I'm just like I'm craving for fantasy football. I, I need this feedback to hear how you're liking Bleeding Blue and how you're liking the re the rebranded and the new mission statement that we have about being a Giants history podcast. So Snacks, uh, any, any final thoughts before we go forth? And um, you'll hear from us next week, next Monday. Yes, you will. You'll hear us next Monday. Uh, my final thoughts are just, Justin, as always, thank you. And thank you to everybody listening. Hoping we can provide you guys something uh, that you enjoy as, as Giants fans, a little, little, little history recap and whatnot. And please, wherever you guys are, stay safe. You know, keep fighting the fight. And we love you guys. Thank you. All right, we're going to end off with uh, Tom Coughlin talking about preparation with Michael oh, Kay on center stage. Oh, fuck. You're going to cry? Yeah, probably. All right, I'm gonna ch- we're going to check in briefly afterwards and just see how you're doing and, and if you're shedding tears. So here you go. Here's Tom Coughlin. Now, I don't know if you realize, but Strahan has said that his decision to buy into your system was influenced by a line in a song by Coldplay. And the line is uh, the, from the song Clocks. Am I part of the cure or am I part of the disease? First of all, do you know who Coldplay is? No. <laughs> I don't have an idea. Had you ever heard the song? No. Now, but that's a good line to, to a good apply, line. right? That's a good line. Are you part of the solution or are you part of the problem? Right. That's another way right. of saying it. I mean, when I came to our team and I simply said, look, I don't have an ego. I want to be the best we can be. I want to go ahead and play for a world championship and win a world championship. Let's do that together. And I think when that attitude was understood, we move forward as a football Are you crying? Team. Yeah. All right. I can hear it. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Wrap it.